Hello and welcome to the 45th episode of Woman, Conversations for the Curious, a podcast I created for women looking to squeeze more juice out of life. I'm Amy Crawford, founder of The Holistic Ingredient. I'm a mindset therapist, whole food lover, and more than a little bit passionate about helping you feel comfortable around what it is to be a woman. Today's episode is brought to you by my Daily Greens Blend, a delicious, highly nutritious blend of five green powders designed to support your overall well-being, including gut health, detoxification, energy, and mental clarity. Take your daily dose to feel healthier and happier from the inside out. As the first podcast episode for the year, I can't think of a more impactful, timely, and worthy conversation. Today, I welcome Nicole Matheson to the podcast. Nicole is a Brisbane-based counsellor and couple therapist. She has a couple of podcasts and is the author of The Beauty Load, How to Feel Enough in a World Obsessed with Beauty. As a counsellor, Nicole has seen The Beauty Load doing its self-esteem stealing damage in real time as she helps her clients grapple with not feeling good enough to love and to be seen. I've just had the pleasure of finishing this compelling book and I truly believe it is one of the most important reads for all women at this time and especially for teenagers. I for one am feeling so grateful to Nicole for having put these words out into the world. I hope you enjoy. Now Nicole I'd love to start by thanking you for writing such a hard-hitting, compelling book. Uh, as you know, I have spent quite a bit of time over the last few days with my head buried in it. And I just really wanted to say thank you for, for putting so beautifully into words um, the internal struggles so many of us women experience. I, I imagine, well, what I certainly found reading this book is I wasn't really even aware of half of yeah. the internal struggles I've experienced. And what you've done is put into words, as I've said, that helped me understand just how insidious uh, this beauty load, as you call it, is in our lives. Yeah. Um, and coming to the very last chapter of the book, I actually had tears in my eyes because you were writing, you were speaking to me, the reader, and I just felt so seen in 50 years, or probably, I don't know, when the beauty load starts, and we can talk about that, but maybe 40 years of lived experience as a woman under, you know, battling under a beauty load. So thank you so much. And I, I am really eager to help get this book out into the world because it really needs to be read. Thank you. Oh, my God, that really touched really felt that thank you so much Amy because that's my aim really is you know there's a lot of beauty books out there that are for bigger women or disabled women or eating disorder recovery or you know a niche but I don't suffer from any of that in fact I have a lot of beauty privilege privilege myself being white one of them being always having been quite slim as well and middle class you know all these things are beauty privilege but I've struggled and I've, you know, I, I didn't have a name for it myself and I just thought it was personal. I thought it was about me. I thought I was inadequate until I have the, had the privilege for the last 12 years of being in uh, counselling and coaching um, privy to women's, uh, in you know, sense of inadequacy. And I went, holy shit. 
this is not just me. This is every single woman that walks through this door. And that's not what she's coming through the door for. This is just a, oh, by the by, like, not a big deal, like, not, not something I would come for therapy for, but just seeing it over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Realizing this was inevitable, insidious, every single woman's experience. And I've had a lot of people say to me, Oh, Nicole, I, I, I don't think I'll read your book. I don't feel the beauty load. And I've had a couple who've been friends who've read it for me because they've been like, Okay, well, I'll read it because you're my friend. I'll see what you banging on about and they've gone oh my god Mm. of course I feel it I absolutely feel this Mm. no it's it's not just if you are into the work of beauty that's 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 not the end of the beauty load it is about trying to fit in and um it's an identity thing as a woman and which we will come back to because I did want to speak to you about that nature of you know some of the some of the beliefs we come to believe when we were youngsters that yes. that beauty we need to be beautiful to belong those yeah. sorts of messages that we hear and start to internalize but uh, perhaps what we should do is start um would you like to define yeah the beauty load um and and perhaps if you're comfortable to share some of your own experience with the beauty load over the years. Yeah, absolutely. So I've I've named it the beauty load to kind of align with the mental load that some of your listeners will be familiar with, this sense of a, an invisible load that sits, rests on our shoulders that is about all the things we have to do and keep the balls in the air. And so it's, there's there's that there's the mental load there's the emotional load of making sure everyone's okay and nurtured around us. So on top of that, sorry to say, there's another load, this beauty load, which is particularly felt by women, but not only felt by women, it's also felt by men and boys. Around, am I looking? Am I appearing good enough? acceptable enough appropriate enough in the world and I think that this load that is a constant companion to us a constant nasty companion most of the time and is inevitable it is hard to escape and often we don't even realize we're under its influence so it's a really kind of silent or uh, yeah subtle pressure that we are feeling Mm. Um, it 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 seems to have direct correlation with our self-esteem and self-worth okay sense of confidence and power in the world Mm. and so to a woman listening and yeah so to a woman listening what is would be an example to make this quite tangible Mm. Because yeah. that was something that I really appreciated in the book is it became you were so beautifully able to articulate some very specific things that we mm. do in our day in and day out, some of the choices that we make yeah. in our daily lives that mm. demonstrates the load. What are some of the things, and this probably seems like a simple question for you, that we as women are doing in our day-to-day that demonstrates yeah. that load? So it could be anything. So for me... 
my the the crack through which my inadequacy seeped in was a flat chest so I didn't feel beautiful enough as all my friends as teenagers and adolescents were growing beautiful breasts and the boys were just like magnets towards them it sort of it, it just kind of crept in that way and I just started with a belief that I'm not enough I'm not attractive I'm not sexual I'm not sensual enough to be attractive to to boys and men so that's where that was just a starting place really where it crept in but it became a vigilance and a belief system that sort of created the way I presented in the world and my sense of confidence but I think on a day-to-day and I think we all have different cracks where it can get in right and it could be little comments it could be family culture it could be a shaming to try and create change in you um or it could be what I call the the shit storm of insecurity moments we have in in adolescence where it all just hits with puberty um but I think we all have a place where it kind of settles and day to day it could be anything from feeling like we have to compensate with a lot of beauty work we have to have the latest fashion we have to be right on trend we have to uh, hide certain parts of ourselves we have to wear lots of makeup or do our hair which is all good stuff like I actually I'm not ever suggesting that we don't make ourselves feel beautiful feel and look beautiful but it's how much of it is is due to a sense that you are not enough it's like uh, a spectrum right alcoholism is terrible having a glass or two of of wine is not there's a spectrum right how much of this is an addiction where you have to do this stuff to feel okay about yourself well that's um, a very good question isn't it yeah that's something else that that came up for me in the book is you know, I I have, for instance, we've we've all got choices, and I have chosen to go the grey hair route, and I've got quite a long way to go. I have chosen um, at this stage in my life not to have Botox um, yeah. or any cosmetic surgery. Yes. Uh, however, this challenge, it yeah. So that that in itself, I've I've those decisions themselves, I'm feeling quite committed to. But there is still a sense of, well, why am I still putting, feeling the need to put lipstick? After reading your book especially, I'm, but I'm still putting lipstick on, I'm still putting mm-hmm. mascara on, some days I'm still putting makeup on. At and what point? That's, that's all okay. That's all okay. That's like your one or two glasses of wine, right? There's not a yeah. problem with having one or two glasses of wine. So why yeah. are we doing that though? We're doing that to feel beautiful and that's, that's okay. That's a good reason to do it. But when we're doing it because we're not enough without it, that's when we are, when the beauty load has become kind of internally toxic for us. So, other, but I want to just continue on a little mm. list here of ways it can show up yeah. that are subtle and insidious you know, whereas the beauty work is not that subtle. It's like, yes, I'm I'm willing to spend half my income on clothes and whatever. Subtle and insidious are opting out of things that we would otherwise want to be engaging in, like social activities or, you know, and the studies have shown that even little girls in school are not putting their hands up because they don't want the attention because they don't feel like they're pretty enough. And when you ask the question of how long have we been experiencing the the beauty load, you know, some of the studies 
are as young as five and some even as young as three. When when little girls are shown three pictures, uh, your body or one of these bodies, which would you choose? They would choose the thinner one. Three. Yeah. So, you know, I, I actually think, you know, and this is kind of the point of the book, that the inevitability of this it's really not personal. And when we make it personal, we're actually uh, gaslighting ourselves to some degree, right? We're taking the brunt and the blame and the negativity internally onto ourselves when actually it is the negativity and the toxicity is cultural. And we need to be furious about that, actually, I think. Mm. Because we are sucking it up we're not sharing this. We're not sharing our insecurity with our friends and going, oh, my God, do you feel that too? Ah, oh, I thought it was just me. Mm. You know, we might go, is my bum feel fat? Does my bum look fat? Does this stress suit me? Is my hair okay? But we're not going, I feel really insecure about myself. I feel shit about myself because of the way I look. I don't feel like I'm attractive enough to find love. I don't feel like I'm attractive enough to set, stand up and speak to an audience I don't feel like yeah. but what, and what you've said just there takes me on to something I wanted to talk to you about later on but we'll discuss it now part of the issue here is is certainly cultural isn't it and the way in which many of us communicate with each other um and I see this and you've mentioned that this is an area in which we can help shift this beauty load and that is by the way in which you communicate and we'll instead of dismissing a woman who says but I'm yes. feeling really uncomfortable and I actually gosh my stomach feels really flabby or my whatever it is instead yeah. of saying no you look beautiful you always look amazing what we all do right, we we all right? Say <laughs> I grew up saying that to people always just but no you look great what are you saying yeah. you look great so can you just can you perhaps share what what instead we how instead we should be responding because I think this is just so important well I think there's no shoulds here as well. Like, and I think our instinct to say to our friend, no, you look beautiful, actually speaks to our own hope that our friend doesn't feel the beauty load, isn't feeling shit about themselves. But what I've found is, again, it's like, when we say, no, you are beautiful, what we're kind of saying, what, what, how that feels, how that lands for me if I receive that is someone saying, get over yourself. Mm. No, no, you are silly. Um, your problem is the way you think about your body um, and you need to change the way you think about yourself and just get over it. It's you know, dismissive. It's, it's dismissive, which is true. Or I know my friend just wants to help help me get over the discomfort and they're just saying whatever they need to do to get over my discomfort. So I don't, A, believe it all that much and B, feel good. I feel dismissed. I feel misunderstood. Whereas I'm suggesting instead we, we respond by saying I get it. Yeah, it's really hard, isn't it? It's, it's the beauty load. I mean, you don't have to use that language, but... It's it's really hard to feel enough, and I have days like that too, and I totally get what you're saying. But um, you might want to also add, you know, I don't personally, I can't see the issue for you, but I totally get that feeling. 
I understand what you're going through. Yeah. So just connecting on it. Okay. Yeah. So some, you mentioned something else that I, I found quite interesting was your mention of the beauty load. I mean, obviously it impacts us in a, in a multitude of ways, but you speak about it as being protective of us. Yes. Can you see a little bit more light on that? Yeah, sure. So um, our insecurity is protective of us. So the beauty load internally feels like insecurity because we're we're constantly vigilant and we're constantly worried that we're not enough. So that is kind of like an insecure little voice on our shoulder, a part of us that's feeling scared that we're not fitting in, that we're not good enough, that we're not beautiful enough. And that insecure voice exists because it's scared. It wants us to fit in. It wants us to, it wants us to be okay. You know, it would, if it didn't give a shit, it wouldn't say anything, but actually it's worried about us. And that worry comes from deeply caring about our state and not wanting us to feel uncomfortable feelings or emotions. And so when our insecure voice comes, something we can do is to not necessarily listen to the jabber of of the stories and the words it's saying, but to come back to, ah, this is a part of me that's worried because it cares about me. So when we come back to that care, we can kind of go, oh, thank you for caring because I am worthy, right? That's actually a nice little loop back to I am worthy. Otherwise, you wouldn't be worried about how I fit in. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for caring. Thank you for showing me that I am worthy of being worried about. Yeah. And going back to that mention of insecurity, um, as you said, you, you mentioned that little girls won't put their hand up in class because they don't want to be seen. Yeah. Um, but that same insecurity impacts us in across many years of our life, doesn't it? And it it's prevents us from showing up. That's in right. Social occasions, as you've said. Um, like you, like it takes confidence to show up online, mm. right? And to be a presence and, you know, imagine all the women who haven't got the confidence to actually show up on Instagram, for example, or on YouTube clips or whatever it is because of the beauty load mm. that they might have beautiful gifts to share yeah but they're not and you know you had a you have a section in the book around dating and I'm somebody who spent a lot of years online dating yeah. and I you know there I imagine that there would be many men, women listening who have been contemplating online dating but for some reason are fearful of showing up yeah yeah so it's it's I mean dating dating is where it really it just peaks, doesn't it? Mm. Because online dating now, it's all about how you look because mm. it's swipe left, swipe right on a photo. It's it's not about the vibe of you or your values or your personality at all. So, No, and the tricky thing about that, Nicole, actually, from my experience, is that you have to, so going back a step, I, I spent the first 18 years of my life in recruitment. So I would sometimes sit at my desk going through, sifting through 100 CVs and you had yeah. to, 
you know, let's, for whatever the role was, you had to get quite specific in your mind around what you were looking for. Now, the same <laughs> tactic was used in online dating because otherwise you find yourself just having, wading through so many countless conversations with people. So it, you sort of, you have to find a way of weeding people out. Yes. And it's impossible not to do that with, you know, via somebody's looks. So some really beautiful humans would be discounted because of this. Yes. <laughs> You're sifting through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It is quite the dilemma, the yeah. dating thing. I mean, you know, there's no, there's no easy fix or solve, but I think that just understanding that the beauty load, you know, is is going to be there you're going to struggle with it means that you can be kinder to yourself in the struggle I think yeah so the book something else the book demonstrated is that we actually we really do rarely pause to consider how much time money money and energy we put into or invest into the way we should look um in comparison I think to many men that would be mm. fair, wouldn't it? The beauty load is probably felt more heavily yes. for women. So, um, yes, sorry, continue. Yeah, and so I just wondered if we could touch on how how does it how does the beauty load deplete us of these things? How does it deplete us of time, money, time, money, and energy? Yeah. So, money. I think you know we are. I have the book right here, but I don't have the, the exact stats, but the beauty load is funding a $62 billion industry, I think it is, and that's just the women's sector. Um, it's huge. I think it's even more. I think it's 600 and something. Anyway, it's in the book. But um, the amount of money that is generated from us feeling insecure and wanting the latest fashion. And then, you know, think about fashion. It changes every season, multiple times a season now. To to And the trends and what's in changes all the time. So to try and keep up with that, it's expensive. It um, it depletes us of money. And then, you you know, you've got your hairdresser, you've got your skincare. You've, there's so many areas that we are spending a lot of money um you know and, and when you join corporate the corporate world the expectation on men to spend a a, a sector a, a section of their income on that is just like so minimal compared to what is expected for you to look professional in the world um your income is is really depleted um, and then if we think about time, I mean, everyone's different on this. And I and I do think that a lot of women kind of uh, normalise this for themselves or excuse themselves for the amount of time that they, they spend on their beauty by saying, but I enjoy it, that's my self-care. Um, but I want to really challenge that and I wonder if, it, it yeah, it, it can feel good, but it's a lot of time, actually. Isn't it we, fourteen days? Is that what you wrote? There was fourteen women? days, but that's actually like day and night, right? So it's it's a it's a month, I think, of your life that is spent looking after yourself every year mm. that you are losing. Um, that men 
in the majority of men aren't they can spend time with people on you know their their careers on leisure activities um and then if you think about energy i think energy is a big a big one actually it's energy depleting to be vigilant it's energy depleting to be worried and insecure and uh to to have negative thoughts about yourself and when we uh also look at power i think there's a power depletion in us having to take all that time and having to take all that money um away from you know what we would naturally want to do the expectation is there but also um and we were kind of talking about this just before the, uh, we started recording the the power of the way we dress so tight skirts stilettos long fingernails these are all things that actually deplete our capacity our capacity to run our capacity to perform our capacity to type we don't think about it because it's it's nearly an expectation um it is a norm it's something that through the eyes of the beauty load looks appealing to us because it it feels sexy and attractive and something we want to be in on but um when you actually think about power and the beauty load, it, it starts to become a little concerning for, for a feminist, right? I was about then, to ask about this. Yeah. <laughs> right? But then also at the beginning of the book, I talk about thinness and how thinness evolved is really quite worrying. I did not know this before I wrote the book, um, that thinness is actually early industrial men wanting to flex and show off that they are wealthy by having an emaciated wife who couldn't possibly work in the factory or in the fields or in the mill or whatever it is. So she was pale and thin and weak. Weak. So people could just look at that couple and go, oh, wow, he must be well off. His wife clearly doesn't need to work. That's how wealthy he is. Ugh. And yet, you know, obviously a lot has changed. We've had um, foot binding practices in China. We've been through the the era of corsets, even on, you know, very tight corsets that impact our ability to breathe. Thankfully, we've moved through those eras. However, here we are wearing stilettos, wearing really tight skirts. Still wanting to be thin. Still wanting wanting to be thin. Still being Mm -hmm. distracted. Yes. And having our energy depleted on things outside of ourselves on this desperate search for self-worth and self-esteem. Yes. Um, And touching on that feminist um, point, you referenced Naomi Wolf. It was Naomi Wolf in the book, wasn't it, who was saying this is um, the part of the patriarchy in an effort to keep us distracted. Yes. And time poor and financially poor. Yeah. And confidence poor confidence poor because uh an empowered woman is a scary thing Mm. for the patriarchy yeah i mean that's one lens right and i think that that's more global that's like holy shit when you look at this like that's a bit shit it's a bit scary and i feel like in a way we're like pavlov's dogs in that we've been conditioned to drool right we've been conditioned 
to want to, you know, be a normal in inverted commas. And the normal that we're we're striving for is is very kind of up there on the beauty hierarchy. Yeah, but the problem is the goalposts for normal oh. are changing so fast. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned five-year-old girls yeah. who are asked to look at what they might consider beautiful and they choose the thin girl. But now when they look at a mature woman, yeah. would I be right in saying that if they were to choose a, a mature woman who was beautiful, she'd be wrinkle-free and blonde? Yes, or she'd, she'd be She dumb. certainly wouldn't probably be grey. She certainly wouldn't be grey. She certainly wouldn't be curvy, which is really, really natural mm. for a woman's body. It's actually healthy. Mm. I mean, I'm probably talking to the expert here, but, uh, you know, the estrogen and all those hormones, they ha- they need a bit of fat on the body. They, mm. they, I mean, girls lose their period when they're too skinny and too thin. Like none of that hormonal cyclical stuff works. Mm. Um so it's it's yeah it's scary you know i'm a, i'm a mother of a teenage girl a 14 year old girl so i i'm watching this in real time yeah you know the influence it's really scary you know the the impulse to eat less and all of that is is there and I'm, I'm a mother's voice as for a teenager. That's to be rebelled against. Like it's hard. Mm. It's scary. Um, I know it's hard to know how to talk to our teenagers as well um, about this. But I know that a lot of mothers of young girls, in particular, but also boys, are are scared. Mm. You know, and and also it's changing. I was. I had an anthropologist on my podcast, the Beauty Lady podcast, and she was really fascinating to talk to because this is what she studies. She specialises in bodies and uh, the science of people's cultural relationship with body, their bodies. But she was saying that in the past there was kind of this idea, you know, my parents' generation that, you were either kind of lucky or you weren't. You, oh, that's the beautiful woman in the community or in the church or in, in our friend group. That's that's her. But these days it's like that responsibility to have a beautiful body form is in your power and is your responsibility. So you need to do the work. You can shape your body. You can get implants. You can get extensions. You can sculpt your body and that's your responsibility now so it's it's more stressful for young people than it was and 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 touching on that responsibility as well uh is a more traditionally beautiful woman likely to feel even more responsibility than 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 another yes that's the thing about the beauty load is that nobody gets off scot-free no one is free of this the beautiful ones in inverted commas feel that responsibility feel the pressure to maintain it and I think we all know Amy um, you know I think we're about the same age right that losing weight or getting to the goal or getting to your beauty goal and feeling confident 
in your beauty is not the end. Hello? Yeah, you're there. Um, it's not the end of the stress. Once we've lost the weight, we still don't feel great. Or once we've dyed the hair or once we've got the tan or once we've, you know, got the implants even. Speaking to a lot of people who've had implants and had them taken out again because they've felt sick for one, but also it didn't make them feel, it didn't give them the confidence they hoped for because it's, okay, on to the next thing because we've been uh conditioned to always want more it's consumerist conditioning really so um, so it, this it, struggle is sorry um sorry. sorry our connections dipping in and out a little bit <laughs> apologies um i sorry yeah, to interrupt you but i wanted to ask you the here is is there a way out of this i mean and by that i mean we've watched even as midlife women um the onset of botox and cosmetic surgery and now only last week i was reading an article by a cosmetic surgeon in the us who was saying that the latest fad is for um women to look like um and this is young women to look like uh not emojis what was he referencing I've had a total mind block to look it, it is it's to look as fake as possible yeah so it's less about trying to look normal but more about playing into the Barbie doll fake look and this is happening yeah. from young teenagers onwards so where the hell is this going to end and is I mean yeah. the biggest the question the question is how on earth can we be free of this well, I think that that's a bit of a scary thought because, you know, I I think, you know, as a parent and just seeing the pressures and the new uh, ex- uh, the responsibilities, so to speak, it feels like it's just getting, in inverted commas again, worse and worse. You know, for someone of our generation who kind of grew up without the internet, it feels like the internet is just fueling this. But there is hope because the other thing the internet does is it is it brings um, minority groups and little subcultures together. And I think that the way out of this has to be in us finding our little microculture. And uh, I think microcultures need to start internally. They start within us. And, um, and I think really the place to start is with self-compassion. And I think that we need to understand that we didn't we didn't buy into this. There's no shame in feeling shit about our appearance. There's no shame in uh, all of that. But we do need to forgive ourselves for how hard we've been on ourselves. And we do need to process this. We need to struggle and grapple with this. Because at the moment we're struggling and grappling in with our insecurity by finding the fix and we're feeding that we're feeding the negativity and we're we're inevitably going to have to face it because we are aging and being old in our culture is not beautiful right it's the opposite and so we do inevitably end up having to struggle with this but i i say let's struggle with it consciously and and let's grapple with 
going through rather than around. Go through it. Go, find your peace with yourself. Find acceptance with yourself, you know, and, and that is self-compassion, really. It's mindfulness. It's kindness. It's human, uh, the shared hum humanity. Like this is actually coming from the work of Kristen Neff, uh, Mindful Self-Compassion. Um I love I love IFS as well, which is internal family systems, which is about uh, which is kind of like talking to the insecurity and going, hey, I, I see that you care about me. It's that work. There's lots of beautiful work we can do for ourselves, but it's also about finding the people who can hold our discomfort, who we can share that with, finding little mini subcultures. Mm. It's finding inspiring people who are doing the brave things that we look up to. It's it's being courageous ourselves. It's having the swim, even though we've just had our hair done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that not takes courage. All, oh, that's courage. But it's not always opting out yeah. uh, of the of the thing. It's 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 courageous, you know. It really so, is. Nicole, how can we? You know, I think this is a really, it's a big and a but a but a but a really necessary question. How can we learn to feel? beautiful and enough mm. where do we start ah such a good question so where I tend to start is I go wild I actually go out into the wild where there's no mirrors and there's no ads and there's no wi-fi connection and I go camping with some girlfriends maybe there's no fashion show there's a fire uh, sometimes with my family as well. I take my kids out. Um, there's maybe a creek or a beach or something like that. And you just, there's nothing like it. I mean, that's that's the starting place for me. That's not everyone's cup of tea. But a few days out in nature. But connecting with nature actually is a really good place to start because our nature is absolutely fine. We are okay. We are enough. We are alive. We are breathing you know, to whatever degree our body functions. Um, we need to come back to feeling how our body is, to it being a place of peace and kindness internally. Um, and in and that being where we get our enjoyment of being alive on the planet, you know. That resonates with me. I um, A number of years ago I spent some time on a tiny island um, for a few months, um, population mm -hmm. 800, this is Flinders Island and um, off the coast of Tassie. And I will say that, uh, you know, it isn't a fashion parade living on a tiny island um, because you don't have access to retail therapy. There's yes. one hardware store, there's one cafe, there's one pub, you know, you don't, there's no real need to get dressed up. Um, there's no you know, this might seem, seem ridiculous even saying it's no real need to wear makeup. And I felt somebody asked me, um, when, what is one time in your life where you felt your most happiest? And I said, when I was on, when you felt your most happiest and when you felt your most yourself. And I said, when I was on yeah. Flinders Island. Wow. I wasn't worried. I wasn't, there was, I was just connecting with nature and connecting with myself. That's it. That's it. And that's all that mattered. And I, I was getting to know people for who I am as a woman. Yeah. Without. Heart um, to heart, energy to energy. Yeah. yeah. Without, there was no sense of trying to keep up with anybody. You know, yeah. there's this beautiful feeling of 
shared connection and you know they had this beautiful sort of buttering system i've got some eggs can i have some spinach and you know swapping i just this it was just we're all, everyone just living it's part of nature connecting with one another um and how you looked was really insignificant in comparison yeah. to what it can feel yeah. like living in a city love that love that yeah. that really ties in with my experience as well but i think it's maybe a good question for the listeners to ask right is when did you feel when have you felt most comfortable in your body with yourself with who you are um and what were the conditions and ingredients of that can you bring a little bit of more of that back in like maybe it's just growing veggies and just checking in and having your fingers in the soil every morning or Mm. um maybe it's certain friends you know or certain people in your lives that feel you can feel so much more yourself and relaxed comfortable around Um, and and of course it's the words that we speak and the words we speak to ourselves and I you know your book finishes so beautifully doesn't it with a what do you call it an affirmation daily declaration daily declaration yeah for yourself yeah yeah just some nice kind words yeah so Mm. Nicole in conclusion Mm-hmm. are we ever going to get to a point where we don't feel are any of us ever going to get to a point where we don't feel a beauty load or is this something that we simply become more aware of more aware yeah. of its impacts but it's yes. not really an end point is there for some That's of us a types who just want to get through this <laughs> <laughs> how do we get through this i think there probably is like you know i've got an 80 year old mother she still feels it but i think that there's a point maybe when you're old oldish whatever that is personally for you where it becomes a non-issue and I feel that as I age I become more and more accepting and less idealistic and less perfectionistic but I think that like you say I think this is something that we need to be conscious of that we like writing this book has not meant I never feel this no you know so um as part of writing this book, I had book launches. And when I'm about to stand up in front of 80 to 100 people, I felt the beauty load big time. Like people are going to be looking at me, you know, like that. It was part of the confidence I needed to know that I was going to look good, Mm. which is natural, right? So I can't shame myself for that. There's no shame in feeling it is is one of the messages. But, But I think that because I knew what the beauty load was and why it's operating and why it's there, I can be understanding about that for myself, right, rather than critical or rather than being fed by the negativity of that small, scared part. Mm. So it's I think there's the small, scared part that's like, oh, God, are you going to look good enough? What about this? What about that? What about your tummy sticking out? Um but there's also the part that judges me for having that part. You shouldn't feel this. You're old enough now. You should be beyond this. This is so immature, blah, blah, blah. So I need to be kind to both of those parts and understanding. And I think, no, we're not going to get to a place where we don't feel it. We're just going to have to be kind to ourselves in it. Mm. And I mix that, and this is probably a conversation for an entirely a separate conversation, but the one thing we sort of haven't touched on, which is a significant part, is that sense of shame. Yes. That comes um, 
just with what you've said, like it's very easy for us to be very critical of ourselves. And what am I, what have I got to worry about? You know, I'm, you know, I'm of a reasonable size and I, and I, you know, whatever, whatever it is that someone might feel challenging about the way that they look, there is, it's difficult for us not to shame ourselves in this process, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's always people struggling more than us not just in the terms of beauty, but if you think about why am I worried about this when people are starving or there's just been an earthquake or whatever, you know, like I think that that's part of our our own dismissing gaslighting. It's like, no, this is a struggle and it's a struggle because it does matter. Fitting in does matter. Belonging does matter. It's important. We're wired that way. Mm. Um, So, yeah, but once we can be kind and compassionate to ourselves we'll have energy for the other stuff we'll be able to show up for the things that we care about mm. show up for all of those wonderful opportunities that we otherwise yeah. may not work opportunities right. dating opportunities, opportunities friendship That's opportunities it. That's it. Yeah. the amount of dates i sabotaged back in the day because i didn't feel beautiful enough i ran away i fucked it up in, on purpose, you know, like it, it's a place where we do sabotage opportunities. Mm. Yeah. yeah. There are so many conversations to be had around this, Nicole, where we're yes. going to need to finish up. I'm sorry to say. I wa- so well, I'm happy I, to come I, back. I'd be, uh, great, <laughs> because I think we might. Um, now, I wanted to ask, is there an opportunity for women to work with you online? Yes. Should absolutely. they not? Now, you're in New South Wales. I'm in Brisbane. Oh, you're in Brisbane. Right. Yeah. So absolutely. I have, uh, I do counselling online and this is one of the areas I absolutely love to help women with. Okay. So how would they find you online? They can go on Instagram to at Nicole.Matheson and that's Matheson, M-A-T-H-I-E-S-O-N, or they can go to my website, which is NicoleMatheson.com. Great. Now, Big question, book. Um, book. Where can they find your book? Am I right in saying it's available at, at all major distributors? It is available at all major online distributors. Online distributors, yes. So right. Booktopia, Book Depository, Amazon. Okay. We'll link to some of these. We'll link to some of this as well in the show notes. Um, but I, for those listening, cannot encourage this read enough. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much Nicole. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. This was episode 45 of Woman, Conversations for the Curious. You'll find all of Nicole's links and today's show notes over at theholisticingredient.com forward slash 45. As always, if you're enjoying this series and you've two minutes to leave a review on your favorite podcast app, I'd truly appreciate it. Until next time, stay curious.